Welcome to Rock Talk, the podcast where a couple of jabronis get to know the movie roles of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. My name is Jordan Rummel, and joining me as always is my good friend and co-host, Charlie Guile. Charlie, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. You know, today I got to watch this movie and turn the clock back to 2003. Mm. It was awesome. I was 13 years old and loving life. That Missy Elliott song that plays in the cold open, I remember listening to that song on the bus ride home. It was very nostalgic for me. A snapshot into little Charlie Gilo. <laughs> and if you're just joining us, you probably heard our brand new theme song. This is actually the second episode that we've been able to have it in. Uh, it's amazing. We are so, so happy to have it. Uh, it's it's by uh, Eric Dano. Eric, thank you so much for the theme song. It's awesome. Thanks for your support of Rock Talk. Uh, yeah, and if you're in the uh, Denton area, Eric plays uh, shows there all the time. So Denton, Texas, get on it. This guy plays great ska. And we have just a few more days left in our tank top giveaway. I want to just give you all a reminder. All you have to do is leave us a review on iTunes and send us a message on Facebook, letting us know that you left a review and you could win a freaking sweet rock top tank top. So get on that. uh, Leave the review. It's super, super easy. Like right now, what do we have? Like five entries. So you have a pretty good shot of winning if you just do it. So come on, dummies. Just do it. Just do it. And without any further ado, we have a lot to talk about. Today, we are taking a look at the 2004 action-adventure comedy, The Rundown. There is a ton to break down, but first, of course, is our rock news. So let's hit that stinger. Mazel! That's fantastic news! Charlie, what are we looking at this week with The Rock? All right, this is something that came out like right after we released our last episode, so I'm really bummed we couldn't talk about it. But pretty big news on the political front for DJ. Uh, political Action Committee run The Rock 2020 registered with the FEC to draft Dwayne Johnson to run for president in 2020. This is big news. I mean, this is sort of the first step that people use to sort of put pressure on people to run for political office. One step closer to becoming a reality. And this is something that, that's been joked a lot, uh, joked about a lot, especially, you know, on Saturday Night Live, there was that pretty huge sketch. Um, that, well, actually, I guess it was his cold open, uh, Dwayne Johnson with Tom Hanks teasing a possible run. And to me, what's the craziest thing about this is that, I, I don't know, I think, I think it could actually happen. Uh, I think that, you know, Dwayne Johnson's got a broad enough appeal. Uh, it kind of eschews any kind of polarization and i think he's kind of well loved he's got charisma he's got the name recognition i don't know i you know i, I think it it's it's very much in the early stages but uh, yeah. i think it's a real possibility i think at this point you know it's so cool to like hate on things that like pretty much the only three things that we haven't ruined yet are like pizza donuts and the rock uh, other than nice. that, like every everything out there has been through the whole cycle of like becoming popular and then people crap on. So, uh, yeah, that's one step closer to reality. Next piece of news we have. Unfortunately, Dwayne Johnson will not make his debut in DC's 2018 movie Shazam. Um, mm. He's been linked to the role the supervillain Black Adam since I think as far back as 2008. He has signed on to do it. He's you know, Instagram pictures of him at DC creative meetings. So he's fully on board to play that part. 
but it looks like we're not going to see it in Shazam. I, I, uh, the director said that it probably won't happen until Black Adam's standalone movie. I don't actually know that much about Black Adam or Shazam, so I can't really expand too much on that. But it feels pretty appropriate because it's uh, currently like Comic Con. So, yeah, I have to say I I don't know too much about uh, the Shazam Lord either. I will say when I first took a look at this link, I read this incorrectly. Thought it said Kazam. Uh, oh my god! Which if there was a remake, the of rapping Kazam, genie movie. <laughs> yes. Oh, 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 yes. Is there any other? I could see Dwayne Johnson in a remake of that. Uh, yeah, he'd be better than Shaquille O'Neal. But no, this is Shazam. This is something completely mm, different. Bummer. And hopefully DC gets their act together when it comes to movies by the time Dwayne Johnson comes around. Because Batman vs. Superman, not great. The new Justice League trailer that dropped yesterday doesn't look great either. So, uh, I gotta say, I the Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman, I thought. Yeah. That's true. Uh, Wonder Woman was excellent. It's a fun movie. So maybe they're turning a corner. Yeah, you never know. Uh, And this is something that I actually thought was uh, really interesting. So The Rock gave an interview to Muscle and Fitness magazine, and he dropped the, uh, the news that he had considered joining the UFC 10 years ago, which is huge news. I mean, we could be living in a, uh, in a world in which we don't think of Dwayne Johnson as a movie actor but rather as a UFC fighter. What do you think, Jordan? This, to me, is is such shocking news. I can't even imagine him in that world. It's, no. It's kind of, you know, you, you go from you know, WWE, but it's against sports entertainment. I, I mean, I wouldn't, it's, I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he had done it, but it's yeah, such it a weird like a logical... universe to think about. You know, when you think 10 years ago, you look at the films that came out, you know, 2007... You've got the game plan, which I... I feel like I, he would have had to have done UFC bef- before the game plan. I don't know. I, right. I mean, I don't know how you would transition from game Disney plan to, movies to fighting. To and the then, octagon. And that's, again, you know, we I know we, we mentioned it during that episode, but then you had Get Smart, and then you had Race to Witch Mountain, Planet 51, The Tooth Fairy. This was right mm-hmm. in that moment where The Rock was really entrenched in this family-friendly entertainment uh, the last piece of news we have, just a, a quick shout-out. This uh, Baller Season 3 debuted on Sunday. If you watch, let us know what you thought. Um, it's not really something that we've dived into yet, but I uh, can't wait to get there. It's It was actually up for an Emmy. And with that, though, I think it's time for Daddy to get to work. Daddy's got to go to work. Today we're looking at The Rundown. It's a 2003 action-adventure comedy. It came in with a budget of about $85 million. And Charlie, like you said, at the box office, actually lost money. It only came in $80 million box office gross. Rotten Tomatoes has it ranked at 70%, so it's um, actually got That's a bit of a following. Yeah. Uh, yeah, especially for a movie, you know, again, that lost money. It's a pretty big following. It was directed by Peter Berg. That name is familiar. It's because he's actually been linked to a few movies you might and TV shows you might have uh, seen before, including Heavyweights, Lone Survivor, and Friday Night Lights. Uh, yeah, this guy's like a big name guy. I mean, he did uh, also the Battleship movie, and then he did the uh, one with Mark Wahlberg about the Boston Marathon bombing recently. So this is like a big name director. You know, he's sort of just continuing to make his way in Hollywood. But yeah. And, and speaking of big names, this movie featured quite a few of them. It starred, of course, Dwayne Johnson, um, but it also ha- features Sean William Scott in a supporting so role. So 2003. 
I know this. It was like an American Pie cast. Uh, <laughs> Rosario Dawson and Christopher Walken is in this movie, oh, uh, and so great. he just 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 slays every single scene he's in. He's um, such a great bad guy. You know, no, it's delicious. Going from this movie, going back to View to a Kill, he just channels a bad guy so well. It's amazing. The name is The Rundown, which, Charlie, I think we both agree, pretty lame title for how yeah. pretty dope this movie is. Um, but there it's were actually weak. two alternate titles that you, you told me about. What what were those again? Um, so originally it shipped with the name Hell Dorado. Awesome. And it actually, yeah, oh, much better name. Awesome. Uh, it actually ran in a few countries under that name, Hell Dorado. But the next one that they came up with was Welcome to the Jungle, uh, which kind of has a tie-in with upcoming Jumanji movie because that's the subtitle. They didn't go with that one either, and then it was changed to The Rundown, which, you know, doesn't really say much. You know, what is a rundown? I actually had that question through this movie. I think at the very end he he references it like, oh, that was a big rundown. Yeah, that was the most phoned-in attempt at trying to tie the title into this movie. Absolutely should have been called Hell Dorado. They goofed on that. Or Dwayne Johnson versus Lumber. Because (laughs) this movie, uh, from start to finish, has... Dwayne Johnson's character uh, snapping two by fours with his elbows, with his fists, and with his head with such ease. Fantastic. Yeah, the amount of, of, of just straight headshots to wood in this movie is, in, is insane. Um, and with that, let's just get into Act One. So it starts off with Beck, and that's the protagonist, played, of course, by Dwayne Johnson. Beck is a bounty hunter who collects debt for a man named Billy Walker. This movie kind of starts off with Beck confronting Walker and, and telling him, you know, I want out. I want out of the, of the debt collection game. Walker talks him into doing one last job, uh, retrieving his son, Travis, played by Sean William Scott, from a small mining town in Brazil. And if he does that, Walker will then give Beck enough money to open up a restaurant and effectively get out of the game. Uh, Beck accepts this offer and he leaves for Brazil. Upon arriving in the town of El Dorado, he meets with the man running the town's mining operation. It's a guy named Mr. Hatcher, played brilliantly by Christopher Walken. Hatcher gives Beck his blessing to go uh, grab and take Travis away, but turns back on that deal when he finds out that Travis has discovered a missing golden artifact called El Gato do Diablo. Uh, Beck confronts Hatcher and his men in the local bar and and where, where he somehow just runs into Travis and they have like a fight there that we're going to have to break down because it's beautiful. It's pretty great, yeah. Um, but they leave uh, and on their way back to the airfield where they could, you know, fly back to, I guess it's Los Angeles. I don't even... Los Angeles. Yeah, fly back to Los Angeles. Travis forces the Jeep that they're in off of the road down a cliff for what feels like an eternity and then they find themselves just in a jungle. There, uh, Travis tries to escape, but is recaptured by Beck. And after a very disturbing and unfortunate encounter with some monkeys, the two find themselves trapped in the camp of the local resistance movement. Uh, that's when we learn that Rosario Dawson is discovered to be the leader of the Freedom Fighters and agrees to help Beck and Travis find the Gato uh, so that she can buy her people their freedom from Hatcher. Hatcher attacks the camp, but Mariana, uh, which is uh, Rosario Dawson's character, and the guys escape in a boat. Um, if the- a lot of exposition in that first act. 
yeah, a lot if, of setup. If the plot sounds a little loose, it's because it is. All you really need to know is that Dwayne Johnson has been sent to get Travis. Travis does not want to go with him because he wants to go get this go, this artifact, and the guy who runs the town wants the artifact for himself. And that's, that's basically kind of the, it, yeah. the struggle. Uh, so, uh-huh. Charlie, what do you what do you think about Act One? It's there's a lot of well, really fun stuff that happens. There here. are three amazing fights, and I think the fight scenes are really well choreographed. It's something that, honestly, we don't really get like these extravagant fight scenes with Dwayne Johnson movies too much. So it was a really cool sort of switch to see that from him. But we have to start with the cold open, mm. which takes place in. <laughs> I think the same club that Tom Cruise dances to in Tropic Thunder <laughs> at the end of the movie, it's very much like that. You know, there's this big fight scene to a Missy Elliott song, like I said before. You get this bizarre Arnold Schwarzenegger cameo. Yeah, where, uh, where, why? Where did he come from? Why was he in I this have no movie? idea. He said he tells Dwayne Johnson to have fun. He, like, passes him in the club and says, have fun. What? Such a weird cameo, but but like perfect for this movie. Yeah. Um, so the backstory behind that is that for the 2003 Super Bowl, Arnold Schwarzenegger was shooting a Super Bowl commercial uh, where he played like the Terminator. Anyway, it was on the same lot that they were shooting this movie. So the director talked Arnold Schwarzenegger into doing uh, just a walk-by cameo. But uh, <laughs> that there's no like. When I saw that, I thought maybe Arnold had been in a similar movie, and this was like a, a callback to that. It's just, you're saying it's literally they were just in the right place the right, at the right time. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, I um, love that. And so you know, Dwayne Johnson fans like us can sort of interpret his line, you know, "Have fun" as sort of the passing of the torch for action movies. Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah, huge absolutely. name, massive name. You know, at this point, he, he's getting older and. Who's the next action star, you know, up and coming? It very well, at least in 2003, could have been The Rock. So I thought it was kind of a cool moment, a little bit bizarre. But yeah, what'd you think about the uh, the nightclub fight scene? So I thought this fight scene... So first of all, it, it should be noted, Beck is in this nightclub because one of the a football, it's like a college football player, hasn't paid up his outstanding bets that he made. And when, yeah. when he goes over there... It's it's very funny because it's it's very disarming Dwayne Johnson. It's very you know he's he's really this movie he's he looks to act great like a fan in this film. At first, yeah, this is like this is we're back in the era where Dwayne Johnson looked like a normal human being, but you know he's kind of has to play up the fact that like he doesn't want to like and he says he doesn't want to embarrass this guy, so he kind of acts like a fan. Mm-hmm. But he says you know if you don't have the ten thousand dollars, I'm gonna need some collateral. So why don't you give me your championship ring? And then the guy says no. And Dwayne Johnson sets up uh, what is a sort of recurring thing through this movie. And he, he gives him the speech that I assume he gives every person before he collects their debt. We can either do option A or option B. Option A, you come with me and you give me what I want. Option B is we do it the hard way. And so, obviously, in this scene, the guy says, well, I'm going to take option B. Well, then Dwayne Johnson proceeds to knock like these like seven-foot football players out. and then Pretty remarkable. Like yeah, it's fight like choreography. For sure, he uses a turntable like a frisbee. So they're playing this <laughs> they're playing Get Your Freak On and then Dwayne Johnson rips the frisbee off of the DJ's table. The music cuts out and then he uses it like a frisbee to take down the guy. 
it's that amazing. He's going after. It's, it's, it's great. It's truly amazing. And then he he drops the line, "You should have taken option A." And then, which I gotta say, that one-liner is just so sweet. Like for this movie, like this movie, it's a lot of it is is kind of corny, but like it's it's so beautiful. Like that was such a it's such a an easy catchphrase. It just works. This whole film, so many different things about this movie just work. Yeah, doesn't take itself Um, too seriously. It's just it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, I think we got to talk about Christopher Walken uh, as sort of like the mining baron in this Brazilian town. He's amazing. Yeah, no, Chris Walken, this is the role this man was born to play. First of all, I think they let him wear whatever he wanted. He wears so many hats. It's just like hat on hat on hat. And he nails every one of them. Everything he says, you know, in that beautiful Christopher Walken Oh, you way. can do a pretty good Christopher Walken. Do you want to read this line here? When a man of your dimensions travels all this way, it arouses the curiosity. <laughs> that was go. really solid. <laughs> I can't do a Chris Walken to save my life, but that was that was good. And and that, you know? by the way, is an actual line. It's pretty yeah. much like the first line that we that we get from him. I feel like he rewrote his entire part in all of his lines. Like, he just was going to say or do whatever he wanted. I wouldn't be surprised. And, he, and also the way he, he saunters. It almost looks like he's dancing the way he moves in this movie. It's, yeah. It's just great. But he plays this villainous role. He plays it up. He turns the dial to a 10. Like, it's, it's just so just so fun. It's insane, but it fits this movie. Right, You know, he's really chewing the scenery every time he's on camera, uh, but it works. But, you know, I think a scene that we should play here, just to kind of show you the rapport that The Rock and Sean William Scott's character have, I think they make like a nice duo. So just to set up the scene, it's after The Rock's character has sort of captured and handcuffs Sean William Scott's character, and they're walking back to the airstrip, and they kind of have like, like a nice back and forth. We'll go ahead and play that scene. What are you doing? I have to pee. Pee in your pants. Move. No. I've let you push me around this jungle for like five hours. You've been very aggressive, and I'm not taking another step until you let me pee. If you want to keep on going, you're just going to have to carry me, and I guarantee I'm going to pee on your head. You threatening me? You threatening me with pee? Well, yeah, if you don't let me pee here. Fine. You win. Pee. Will you unzip me? No, I'm not going to unzip you. You want to pee, you have 30 seconds. How am I supposed to pee with my hands cuffed behind my back? Find a way. Pee. Come on. Don't make it weird. I was actually very pleasantly surprised by how well these two actors you know, got along in this movie. I thought that the chemistry, I, was, I have to say, I was, I was kind of nervous about Sean William Scott in yeah. this role. I think that he's either, you know, a lot of fun or really annoying. You have American Pie on one end and you have Goon on the other. But I actually thought that they, you know, as you said, I think that they actually, Beck and The Rock and Sean William Scott actually work really well together in this film. Yeah. Uh, They definitely fit their roles of like, The Rock is like super bodyguard type that doesn't show a ton of emotion. He's just there to do his job and to get out. And Sean William Scott is just like this pest, this wise guy who they make a point to say that he dropped out of Harvard. Like, that was, like, backstory we really didn't need. But, uh, you know, but he's kind of like like a wise guy with a heart of gold because one of the things he says is, like, oh, I don't even want to sell this 
Golden Shrine El Gato or The Gato, which is a stupid name. Yeah, and, and why do they keep over calling over. it The Gato? Why not just call it El Gato? Right. Or hey, or name it something better. I don't know. El like, Gato del, do Diablo, like... Seriously, I mean, that's the uh, lamest. And it, <laughs> But for some reason, I have to, it really drives me nuts that they won't call it El Gato, especially because, as we learn in this same act, Sean William Scott has a full grasp of Portuguese, so it's not as if he doesn't speak the language. He's just choosing to call it the Gato. <laughs> exactly. Like, what um, are you doing? Yeah, and I think even uh, Rosario Dawson's character, Mariana calls it the gato even though she's from brazil but i really do like her character she comes in and you find out that because at the beginning of the movie she's just like a bartender but you find out that she's actually the leader of these rebel forces that are going against christopher walken's character so she's like kind of like she's like a strong female character which in a lot of these action movies especially from this time period you don't get just a ton of that so i thought that was really cool yeah, it's, there was a great fight scene with like the villagers before she got there. The Rock faces off against this like five foot guy who like is an amazing fighter who I actually think would like be if this was in the same universe as Bloodsport, yeah. he would win the Kumite. Absolutely, this dude had the most incredible uh, gymnastics level fight skills that I think I've probably ever seen in a movie. And you know, we're when we say that there that there are these. All three fight scenes in this first act are incredible. Every single one is truly spectacular. Like choreographed, they they just destroy the this this huge bar in a fight scene that goes on for like twelve minutes. It feels like, and they're just stuck. yeah, the zooming in and out the the level of like there's like whips. This movie had so many whips. Oh, um, the moment where the Rock takes like a table and throws it at one of the bad guys who has a whip. And the guy whips the table in midair, splits it in half, and it goes on either side of him. And just, like, gives the rock this smirk. It's oh, man, so it's cool. so cool. It's so cool. And then this jungle fight, you know, we're talking about this this little, like, jungle fighter. That's a fight scene that goes on for at least 12 minutes. It's riddled with slow-mo, like, matrix, uh, like, bullet effects. Yeah, gravity is, like... Uh, unreliable in this. Oh, like, yeah, it's not a the constant. The, the the distance that people leap in this movie. <laughs> and get punched and thrown. Yeah. Oh, oh my it's God. amazing. But um, it, like I said, it just goes back to like, this is something that we don't get a lot from The Rock's action movies. He and his cousin, the stunt double, are constantly involved in these huge set pieces that involve <laughs> The Rock falling down a hill for... 45 seconds at least. I mean, it's absurd. <laughs> that scene is nuts. That's when... It's like that scene in Hot Rod mm. where Andy Samberg falls down a hill for like five minutes. Almost that bad. And But it's what is hysterical. They're playing it so straight. Like, again, and this is the scene in which, again, where Travis is trying to prevent Beck from taking him back to Los Angeles. So they, he deliberately throws the Jeep that they're in off this cliff. What I love about this also, movie... Also, what a dumb move. Um, but this... what's what to me is just so amazing is that on the way down this cliff, which, like you said, it does last like a minute, which is – it's just absurd. We're we're seeing like the rocks smashing into branches and trees and rocks and we're seeing Sean William Scott smashing into the cliff and smashing into the rock. Like, th- like this movie – like 
they wanted to inflict as much pain to every main character as possible. Oh, on the, the yeah, these stunt people, these poor stunt people. Um, and actually, the stunt double, he broke his ankle f- doing this movie. Ugh. Yeah, um, and honestly, I'm surprised it wasn't more than that. No, it's the, the potential for harm uh, seems limitless in this film. I also wanted to just note, you noted the choreography, how this is kind of a unique thing for, for Dwayne Johnson movies. That's It's just so accurate the more you think about that. You look at anything he's done in the last, in the last decade. G.I. Joe, Fast and Furious series, San Andreas... He does a lot of, you know, work with guns and tanks and, and explosions, cars. cars. Yeah. But They're not hand-to-hand. No. The only thing I can even think of that really comes to mind is in Fast 8 and in Fast 5, I believe. Well, when he fights Vin Diesel. When he fights Vin Diesel. And then right, later, but that's less like he, hand-to-hand. That's them just throwing each other to concrete walls. Yeah, that's, that's true. It's mostly them just destroying a garage. But I think... You know, Fast 8, when he has the fight with Statham in the prison. Um, yeah. Possibly the the only other extended, really intricately choreographed fight I can remember The Rock doing. So when you say that this is unique for his movies, I think you're absolutely correct. And it's, I think, one of the movie's biggest strengths. I, I think it really gave this movie uh, something special, particularly when you compare it against the rest of his work. Yeah, this movie knew what it was, which I really enjoyed. It wasn't trying to be anything more than just like a summer action movie with some jokes thrown in. It's a two-hander with uh, with a guy who's known for like comedy movies and Sean William Scott, and a guy who's known primarily at that point for you know WWE wrestling. So they weren't trying to overextend. Even The Rock's character in this movie doesn't really have to do all that much acting. You know, I don't think he could have handled at this point in his career some wide range character acting so this was a a excellent decision by the rock let's keep moving here and get ourselves through act two just a little bit quicker essentially where we are is rosario dawson dwayne johnson and sean william scott they come across a waterfall and this is where travis thinks the entrance to the tomb where the gato is located so they swim through the waterfall and they find that in fact it is the tomb and they have this insane conversation by the way that we're going to have to talk about but they get they get the gato they solve a puzzle this this is when the movie pretty much turns into indiana jones they're like solving didn't hate it yeah no it was still fun they're solving a puzzle to keep the roof of the tomb from caving in featuring dwayne johnson single-handedly holding the entire cave up. (laughs) Like these 30,000-pound boulders. You know, in Fast 7, when Vin Diesel lifts up the car in the super tall building in Dubai for like three minutes? (laughs) I thought that was insane. This is twice as insane. Yeah, this absolutely tops it. And essentially, they're able to get the Gato and escape right as the tomb collapses around them. Then later, around a campfire, sort of celebrating, you know, they've got the gato, so now Beck can take Travis back to Los Angeles. Um, However, Mariana gives the guys a fruit, and it's basically some sort of hallucinogenic paralysis-inducing fruit, and she takes the gato, but she promises to wire Beck's share of the money to uphold her part of this entire bargain, basically helping, uh, you know, everyone kind of has their own motivations at this point in the film basically then 
the effects of the drug wear off after about six hours. Beck <laughs> takes Travis back to the airfield. But right before they set off for Los Angeles, we learn that Hatcher has captured Mariana and taken the Gato. Since Beck is a man of honor, uh, he decides that to uphold his side of the deal, he has to rescue her and reclaim the Gato. A few different things happen here. First, let's talk a little bit about the entire waterfall swimming and tomb scene because uh, it's actually that's to me one of the most fun sequences of this entire film yeah so before they jump in the water mariana and beck have this weird conversation she goes she tells well why don't we just go ahead and play the scene yeah don't pee in the water why a candido a vicious parasite will swim up the urine into your bowel. Woo! come on big boy feel good Swim up my what? Your pintu. It'll swim up your ding dong. And once it gets in, we can't get it out. Come on! Uh, uh, well, then what? They have to amputate. Okay, um, so I know that the Dwayne Johnson has some crazy lines in his films. This has got to be up there with one of the weirdest. Why does he keep asking her, like, oh, well, why can't I pee in the water? Like, if somebody tells you not to pee in the water because there are parasites in the water, you should get it. Like, that should be enough for you. Right. But he keeps, like, wanting details. And then, oh, my gosh. Th- it's crazy. So, like, he's about to get into the water right before they have this conversation. So his pants, he's his pants are around his ankles having this conversation with Mariana. At the end of this, when he decides he doesn't want these, like, penis parasites, he, instead of just, like agreeing not to pee in the water he, he pulls the pants back up and As like if that will it, do like really anything like, <laughs> right like, like what are you doing if you don't <laughs> if the water like his pants are still gonna get wet there's still going to be water inside of his pants so i it's just it's crazy to me that he would even think of that it's funny but one of the things I didn't really love about this movie is the Scottish pilot. We haven't talked about oh him yet. Oh, my God. But I he makes a couple thing. of appearances. First of all, the most Scottish person in any movie ever? Yes. Okay. Yes. Why? Okay. You can he hardly understand every him. stereotype you could ever imagine. Yeah, you can't. I didn't understand a word this dude said the entire movie. And just, we'll find out later. He brought bagpipes to the jungle. Yeah. Again, and, and a full and a kilt. kilt. Yes. Yeah, like, <laughs> why? Why? It's funny you bring him up. Like it's when we learn that that Hatcher has kidnapped Mariana. It's the pilot that seems to be aware of all of this, which yeah. is just weird. how does he know? Yeah, like why is he the informant? Did news get back to this pilot guy before? Because he's just been waiting out at the airfield. Yeah, to take them back to Los Angeles. Yeah, very weird. And also, I gotta say this. I know that this. You know, the plot of this movie is not is not what makes it such an amazing movie. But the fact that you know, we spend the last you know forty five minutes of this film learning like how about what a badass Mariana is, and then suddenly she just gets kidnapped, like literally, and we don't even see it. Right. It's just it's just two it's lines camera. of dialogue. She's been captured, and suddenly she's like the damsel in distress, which I just was annoyed by because she kicked butt this whole film. She outsmarted. She saved Beck their and lives. Travis. Like yeah, like so kind of a weird turn i get that they had to do it you you had to there had to be some reason to pull them back but it it, it does allow us to at least uh get into act three here beck and travis are preparing for now this final showdown with hatcher and his men 
they decide to use a strategic stampede of cows uh, to cause chaos in this town and somehow pick Hatcher's men off one by one uh, until essentially it's just Hatcher. In the middle of this action, Travis grabs the Gato and he starts to take off with it. Beck, on the other hand, is still very much in the fight uh, and doesn't use guns. It's another weird thing about his character that isn't really talked about until now. He's apparently like, he's basically a mercenary, but with a strong aversion to guns, the reason for which is never explained. So uh, Hatcher then pulls a gun on him in the middle of the street here. And right before he's able to fire at Beck, Travis shoots him. Uh, so he stuck around to, to help Beck out. Beck then gives Hatcher his classic option A or option B spiel. Hatcher has this incredible dramatic monologue confronting the villagers saying that he brought modernism to the jungle. They should be grateful. He walks off. They, they all shoot him right there at the end. He takes a few more steps and dramatically dies, which then, you know, Travis, we have the Gato. Uh, so he gives it to Mariana and Beck takes Travis back to Los Angeles to his father, completing the final mission. When the father makes it very clear that Travis is in some serious trouble, Beck tricks him and his goons, essentially, into eating that uh, weird, like, hallucinogenic, paralyzing fruit, and which allows Travis and Beck to get away, and it kind of sets up a sequel. They have this another weird little almost fight scene at the very end, uh, which just cracks me up, but it basically just sets up a sequel, and that's how this movie wraps up. So it kind of ties up the different loose ends. Uh, it, it's kind of rushed. But again, there was this was a very front-heavy movie, so I actually think that it worked. What do you think? Yeah, uh, I think like uh, the conclusion sort of works. I think the final fight scene didn't quite live up to the ones that we'd seen previously, you know. And this whole idea about Beck's character not using guns, like to this point, we had never really seen that. I think previously he had used a gun in the bar fight. He's on the ground, and he unloads the handgun magazine, so it, sh like, skitters across the floor and lands under this guy who's running away, his foot, and so he, like, slips on the magazine and falls. But to this point, that was about the only time we saw him use a gun in any sort of capacity. But he's, like, just making it harder on himself. I mean, at one point, he fires a weapon into an oil tanker so it blows up and, like, burns all of Hatcher's men. Like, how is that morally superior to just shooting people? Yeah, and it is it is so strange. I wish they had explained his aversion to guns with some sort of backstory. Um, I will say he does, in this sequence, It does. there is like a moment where he's like, and now I'm going to use guns. And he gets this these two shotguns and just goes on a rampage like right in the same little sequence. Very cool moment where he's reloading the guns by like flipping them around and like off his back and stuff. But it's so weird because they... They, like, build up this whole thing about the guns. We don't know why. Then he Only uses for him them. just to be like, eh, never mind, I'll do it. Right. Very, very, very weird. Not really sure uh, what the deal with that was. I, I do think, though, Christopher Walken's final speech, so good. Like, just dramatic and, and Walken-esque. And I think that we should probably play that one. Uh, let you guys oh, hear yeah, that. Oh, yeah, for sure. So let's, let's give that one a listen. Hatcher. What? Option A is still on the table. You can walk away right now. <laughs> Option A doesn't work for me. Before I came here, what, what did you people have? Face it. Be fair. 
I put a roof over your head, a little coin in your pockets, you barefoot Indians. Didn't have pockets before Hatcher came along. I give you life. I'm the heart in the darkness. Face it. You can't run this thing without me. I am pumping the blood of the modern world into your backward veins. Stinking. Indre. Oompa Loompa. Moron! All right, so that, I mean, that's a, you, that's his, basically his final monologue. And if you probably caught that he was calling the, the villagers Oompa Loompas. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and, it's, like, super racist. And But, Charlie, you told me there's, like, there's a weird story to why he, that term's even in this movie. The, um, the screenwriters originally put that in the movie, and Christopher Walken had never seen Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory before this movie. So he said, I don't want to say that because I've never seen the movie. I, don't, I wouldn't know what I was talking about. So the director bought him the DVD and he watched the movie for the first time in 2003 and then was okay with using it after that. But yeah, I guess Oompa Loompas are basically slaves. Yeah. Oh, no, they are candy slaves. Those yeah. Are, those are... Which really paints a whole new layer on that movie. It, <laughs> I have some stuff to think about. Um, so, and what do you think about the end of this movie where Travis yeah, very and very open-ended. Right. Like, it seems like they were very much expecting a sequel. And I can, I can imagine had this movie made money, they probably would have. It kind of yeah. set up a very – it was very – like a very easy sequel setup. People have been asking this director about if he's going to make a sequel to this movie. And he wants to do it. And just last year – he said there's already a script written for it, and if he can get Jonah Hill to say yes, it would be a two-hander with Jonah Hill and The Rock as a sequel to this movie. God, uh, that's Dwayne Johnson, great. That yeah, it would be amazing. Dwayne Johnson tweeted out that he's all in. But, yeah, one last thing I want to talk about. When Beck takes Travis back to Los Angeles, and it's clear that his father wasn't happy. Like, why would Beck suddenly turn on them? Why take him back to Los Angeles to his father at all if he was always – he was clearly planning on using this fruit because he took it in the building with him. Right. He had so, this, the one special fruit all wrapped up. Like, So did he ever get his restaurant? Oh, it's very unclear. It's very unclear because – Oh, keep in mind that The Rock is doing this so he could run a restaurant. At one point, uh, this Billy guy that he used to work for said, ah, he's the best chef I ever knew. When would The Rock cook for this Billy guy? Because up until this point, he was doing, like, missions for him. And what debt could he possibly owe him? Like, what? why is he trying to square up? Like, what? what is – it's so odd. Like, yeah. And the way we're introduced to Dwayne Johnson's character is he's in his car essentially listening to tape about different types of mushrooms. Yeah. Which is the uh, only indication we get in this film – that Dwayne Johnson has any interest in food, it definitely doesn't lay out that he wants to be a chef. And No, not at all. And nothing he does this whole movie would indicate that he wants to be a chef. I would have loved if there would have been like a knife fight and he's like, oh, I use knives every day or something like that. Like, give me something. Yeah, why not but, open this movie up with Dwayne Johnson like in his home chopping yes. like hibachi stuff on the stove or something or chopping a, 
an onion, and then we get like a you could have a parallel shot at the end with knives. Like it, there's so many or different he's ways. At, cold open. He's at a bank trying to get a loan for his restaurant, and they deny him because he doesn't you know have the credit, so he needs the money. Boom, and that's why he's doing it. And then the last scene could be him walking out of the bank with his loan, or or I guess he wouldn't need that, but like or opening his restaurant. Show me that restaurant, right? Please make it happen. Sequel, sequel to the rundown. Honestly, it should be that John Favreau movie, Chef. <laughs> should, <laughs> that's that's basically the sequel of this movie. So that's the rundown from start to finish. Really, really fun movie. And now it is time for our final thoughts and ratings. Every single week you come out here and you run your mouth. The Rock says, we seem to have developed a little pattern here. Charlie, what are your final thoughts on this movie? I really enjoyed it. I I thought that it was a great action movie. Like I said, it knew what it was. And I get why people love this movie. It's sort of a cult movie. I, I kind of understand now why people wanted us to do this. It's it's just a, a straight-up action movie with a little bit of comedy thrown in. It's not as much as we love the Fast and Furious movies. Those are superhero movies. You know, they're these... They cost $250 million to make. This is sort of like your, uh, your more classic two-hander action movie. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And, yeah, I'd love to see uh, him do more movies like this. If you, had, think, to, if you had to rate it, though, out of 1 to 10... Uh, the Gatos. <laughs> um, you know what? I think I would rate this one a 9 out of 10. Mm. And not for the reasons I usually would rate a Dwayne Johnson movie. Usually, we look for things like his acting. If you're looking for acting, look elsewhere. This movie is not about acting. Uh, it's about the action sequences. I thought that they nailed it. Uh, they had, like, probably, what, five straight-up awesome action sequences in one hour and 45-minute long movie. That's great. So, yeah, I'm going to rate this one a 9 out of 10. And if I were to sort of rank the movies we've done, uh, this would slide in right behind Fast and Furious 6 to my number two. What about you? I I have to agree with you. I think that this movie is a ton of fun. I think it absolutely holds up even now, uh, 14 years after its release. I think it's just as much fun now uh, as it was then. I think that the action in this film is unparalleled when you look at Dwayne Johnson's filmography. I think this is, by and away, the best action uh, that he's ever been in. Uh, and, yeah. I, and I think it's really indicative of kind of what he could do as an action hero. I mean, why not have him instead of Tom Cruise in all these Mission Impossibles, you know? Okay. That may be taking a little far. I love the Mission Impossible movies. My, but I, I get what you're saying. Like I like I would let him do more movies like that. Like don't don't waste his talent in something like Get Smart where he doesn't get to actually show off his action side. Don't put him in a movie like San Andreas where it's mostly explosions. He's in a helicopter pieces. the whole movie. Yeah. Like let him shine uh, in the way and in that Fast he and can. Furious. He's like in cars. Yeah, I get it. Like get him out of the vehicles and get him in hand-to-hand combat. I think the biggest thing that this movie had going for it, besides like the actors, is the director. Peter Berg, like I get why he's a big-name guy. This movie was very well directed. Yeah, the, the, the fight, uh, the cinematography in this movie is, was startlingly beautiful for what this film was. 
Uh, and if I had to rank this movie, I would probably give it, I'd probably give it eight out of ten. The Gatos, just because while it was so much fun, I to me like the they they really did just sort of phone in a lot of the plot and exposition. In this movie, I think this is a yeah, nine of ten, sloppy. ten of ten movie. If we understand more of his of his character, you know, I didn't yeah. really know much about Beck after the hour and forty five minutes. I didn't, you know, I wanted to learn more about the character of Beck. But beyond that, you know, like we've said, this was simply one of the most fun movies that I, at least I've seen uh, for this for this podcast. And that brings us to our final test. It's the franchise Viagra test. Franchise Viagra. <laughs> so the franchise Viagra test is where we determine based on Dwayne Johnson's charisma, physique, and how hard, how much of an effort he put into the film, uh, whether or not you know you would want to see a sequel. Uh, and although I think I know our answers here, Charlie, uh, what are your thoughts? So the franchise Viagra test basically has three sort of main elements to it. First off, we have charisma. I think the banter in this movie between Sean William Scott and The Rock is it's nothing like complicated. The um, dialogue isn't amazing, but I think that they have like a really good rapport. They're able to sort of ping pong off of each other in their scenes. And I, I think it's great. Uh, you get a really great one liner. You know, you should have taken option A. That's a great, great line. Um, and I, I like his cold open scene where he before he starts the fight, like he has to act like a nervous fan. I thought that that was like some of the better acting he's had. He did in this movie. Um, so it definitely passes that part of it. Physique. I think he looks like really great in this movie. You know, this was still pretty early rock, so he's not massive. But the one sort of knock I have against it is this is before his signature shoulder tattoo. Mm. They filmed this movie in early 2003, and he got his tattoo later that same year. So, um, yeah, uh, he looks fine. Uh, His hair, it almost looks like a Chia Pet or something. (laughs) I don't understand how he can maintain such crispy hairlines when he's in the jungle. But, yeah, uh, I, I think it passes just because it's The Rock. Hard work. I think that this movie, pretty much above all, shows The Rock like willing to do these sort of stunt pieces um, and really go for it. Um, these hand-to-hand combat scenes um, are amazing. Lots of stunts. His stunt double, his cousin, Tanoi Reed, won Best Stuntman of the Year because of this movie. So absolutely this passes the franchise Viagra test. I want to see a sequel, and hopefully they'll get it, their act together and make it happen. I could not agree more. This was a fantastic movie and an utterly fantastic performance by Dwayne Johnson. Uh, One of the best we've seen. Really an impressive, just really impressive body of work. And I absolutely think it passed the franchise Viagra test. And I hope that they come sooner than later to terms regarding that sequel. And with that, that's pretty much, that's pretty much it for us today on Rock Talk. Definitely check out the rundown if you haven't. It's on Amazon Really just a ton of fun. Couldn't recommend it more if you're a fan of action or if you're a fan of Dwayne Johnson. Uh, So like always, we'll have another podcast out in about two weeks. In the meantime, stay posted on what we are up to on Facebook.com slash RockTalkPod and on Twitter at RockTalkPod. And until then, I'm Jordan, uh, joined as always by Charlie. Signing off. That's Rock Talk. (laughs) 